What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. My name is Colin Slager, always accompanied by the one, the only, Tim Allersmeyer. Today, we get into a few different hot topics. Uh, one being, Senate passes a different bill to have doctors administer more conservative uh, types of care uh, before prescribing drugs, opioids, opiates, uh, things of that nature. So trying to find alternative um, treatments and uh, medicines, ways to, to help aid and cure things before going to the drugs. Uh, then we get into the power of asking. And we give a pretty simple example when we were out to eat with a friend of ours, a good friend of the show, show uh, shout out Marquise Martin Hayes. Fantastic episode. If you have not listened to it, go back and please do so. Bless your ears with that one. And then we get into our uh, one of our favorite segments, book talk. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Still in that bad boy. Uh, we talk about prioritizing uh, the truly important and urgent things, and then letting the rest get done when it'll get done. As we've talked about before, your in basket is never going to be empty. There's always something that will need to get done. So really worry about the important and urgent things and attack those first. Tim, um, I've done enough talking. What else do we get into, brother? I think you've done the perfect amount of talking. Oh, stop. I'm blushing. In this episode, we take a look at the $25 million college admission scandal uh, involving 750 uh, wealthy families in the United States and how these parents were pretty much bribing their, their kids into school. Shame through, on you. Through tainted testing, uh, fake athletic profiles. It's a mess. Uh, we discuss kind of the overlying impression that this gives us about the education system, um, how privileged kids, when it comes to not being taught the right things, when it comes to paving your way, putting in the work. Very uh, frustrating topic for me, and we kind of get into our impression of it. Uh, we also get into some takeaways that I had from Napoleon Hill and his interview with the devil in this book that I'm reading. Uh, we kind of analyze a little part of this interview and discuss the different methods uh, that negative forces enter your head, especially when it comes to job search um, and the, the right kind of mindset you should take when applying for a job after college. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this one. There's a lot of interesting takes on some current events we've been seeing, um, as well as some takeaways that we've seen from our books this week. So excited for you to hear the episode. You won't want to miss it. I want to get into this. Uh, there's an interesting legislation, and I'm still trying to get a little more detail from it. One of my uh, docs that I work with brought it up to me, and let's see if I can't get the name. It's uh, some crazy long 600-something page opioid bill that uh, Senate recently passed, and I'm still trying to dissect it. They... They make these things just, you really got to actually read it and read it, read it. But what I'm gathering and from what I uh, spoke to my doc with about is that this legislation ultimately is going to push practitioners to seek non-medicated assistance in treatments before prescribing drugs. So searching for more homeopathic uh, things like chiropractic, maybe more functional medicine type things before resulting 
to a drug that could have whatever type of side effect. So pretty much what you're saying is instead of jumping quickly to the route of medication, painkillers, whatever they're giving, opioids, they're exploring, they're at least giving the look to other natural ways of rehabilitating. Exactly. And how long has this been going on for? I, I don't think Did that long. Recently, I think between from what I'm reading um, articles dating from September of 18. So within the last year. Okay. And I think this may have been passed um, possibly within the last six months. Don't quote me. Like I said, I'm still doing more research. It's something that just caught my attention today. So I haven't had a ton of time to uh, look through it, but what greater issue is it tackling? Do you think? Like what? Like what do you think that could come of what you read from today? Like what's the underlying issue that you think it will solve? Opioid addiction. Opioid and, addiction and right. death. Um, there's an estimated uh, forty nine thousand Americans killed from opioids in 2017. Mm-hmm. So and and, and that's. You know, not exactly could be skewed a thousand or two, but that's still a lot of people. And I don't know under what circumstance if there was abuse in some of those, not all. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I still think resorting to those last is part of what they're doing because things like that, addiction, and there are more natural things. Look, CBD is getting really popular. Right, and there's good and bad with that too. There's good and bad ones, mm-hmm. you know, depending what people put in theirs. I want to hit back on that addiction too, because I think what's good about this is a lot of people that go on these opioids, it's the first first resort, and they'll, like you said, become addicted to it, like you were saying, addiction, and then for some reason they get taken off of it by their doctor because their doctor realizes, hey, this person's addicted; it's not really doing anything. So the doctor forgets about it. And then that's when people, I think, resort to what's in the street, like heroin. That's why That's why I feel like you see a lot of just like 40 to 50-year-old soccer moms buying heroin. Some things addic- get cheaper. Ad- addicted. It's crazy. And so I think this could solve a lot of issues like that. That and, and I think there could be some of, you know, maybe working the market too. I mm-hmm. think a lot of our generation might not be as fast to go to those maybe – Maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I feel like our generation is more worried about health, making sure you're you're in good shape and what you're eating and things like that for a more general sense. I, I think we're trying to be cognizant of that. At least I like to think so. Mm-hmm. And so I think that could be part of it. It's like, okay, this is going to be more appealing to certain younger groups so maybe we should push for this first. Look, docs are in neck in network with docs. They refer each other to each or like refer patients to each other. Uh, I mean, obviously they're very good at what each of them do. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have a good partnership. Look, we have certain um, physicians that refer patients to us for whatever type of scenario or case, and then we'll refer people out if we think they need uh, additional help. <clears throat> outside of our scope. So um, I think having that back and forth before adding drugs into the regimen mm-hmm. is is really good. And I, I, I think 
And this is an example of like Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA, head of the FDA that we've talked about before, where he was on a mission to try to mitigate the opioids. I think people are finally getting in that pipeline of that industry who are trying to... What type of people are getting in? The ones that are trying to reduce drug use. Like? Reduce resorting to opioids. Like who? uh, Like, I think... Others like, like Scott Godley. I don't know. I don't I'm have exact about names. From the, from the doctor's perspective, like I'm trying to just see the downside of this. Like, why? Because am I am I accurate in saying that these doctors get paid by drug companies? Like, this is a source of revenue oh, absolutely. for doctors. Oh, It is a source of revenue. So, do you think? And that, think about if you have your own practice. If mm-hmm. you're running your own shop and you can prescribe drugs as well. Like, you also have to look from a business hat and a billing standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if some of these drugs are, if you tell them for life, that's a lifelong um, financial commitment that you might have on your hands. I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm not a doctor. But I do know, like, you can, yeah, there's billings. and Like, will some doctors, doctors and doctor's offices lose possibly money because this goes through because they can't push as many drugs through mm-hmm. they have to refer to other people yeah do you think that there's a negative from their point of view i mean there's obviously going to be people who are on both sides of this right yeah and, and look i i'm not like 100 percent against drug use mm-hmm. like there are times when i've seen patients that need that kind of help mm-hmm. you know and it it is necessary at times mm-hmm so I'm not trying to demonize it, um, but in the profession I'm in, I've seen a lot of both sides of this. So it's, yeah, it is harmful and will be to a lot of doctors, some business owners, but in the long run, if they change up their practice a little bit, look, you move with the cheese. Mm-hmm. So if this is now law, And if they need to pivot a little bit to keep going, do it, suck it up, bite the bullet and do it. Mm -hmm. Long run, you'll make more money anyway. Yeah. Short term, not so much, but long term, you will be fine. If you need to change the way you treat, then figure, figure that out. If you have to hire someone who does something different or is a, you know, you need someone different for a certain type of rehab or a different nurse practitioner or... If you want to add, you know, a chiropractor or, you know, IV therapy, whatever it is, if you pivot with what's happening, you will last Mm -hmm. and you'll probably do better long term anyway. So will it hurt people? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think for the greater good and, and long term quality of life. I think it's a good thing. Oh yeah, without a doubt, for the common good, for people's health, long term. Yeah. So I, I think overarching, yes, it would be good. And I think, I think yeah, people be, are finally seeing that. Okay, we need to do something about this. So I think people are finally working towards this. Like, all right, we have a problem, and other people are seeing that we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you find after more research on it. Cause yeah. I, I wanna, I definitely wanna look at that a lot more closely now to see like how it'll actually like and efforts to reduce the amount of opioids like 
like what the threshold will be, like what how that actually does reduce the opioid. I'm just interested to see, kind of dig deeper into that, like the specifics of how it's exactly doing that. So yeah, and it's like it also still makes me think. I know our last episode where we did talk about Scott and the FDA. I brought up GMOs, you know, genetically modified foods, and those are banned in Europe and not in America. Why is that? So it, 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 you know, kind of takes me down that whole rabbit hole of, all right, why are we doing things this way when we find harm in these things? Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, not all medicine is, I'm not trying to demonize it. Mm-hmm. I just think we can do things a little better and use that when we absolutely think we need to use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Thanks for sharing on that. that we'll, yeah. More ab- updates on that. Absolutely. More updates definitely to come. Um, seems like I got a lot of reading to do. That's over a 600 page bill. <laughs> no, you can, there's always more reading to do to come. You can never have, there's always more to do in right. educating yourself on a topic. Right. So I recognize that. Um, I want to move to something. Uh, so by the time this episode airs, this was last Wednesday when this happened, uh, the co- a $25 million college admission cheating scam. So you that prob- sounds juicy. Yeah, so you probably maybe heard about this. You should. I mean, it's a pretty big deal, and we're going to discuss it here. Uh, but apparently, this guy named William Rick Singer pleaded guilty uh, in a Boston federal court to, to racketeering, money laundering, conspiracy, and obstruction of justice charges. So, in summary, he pretty much helped the wealthiest families in the United States get their kids into school through a quote-unquote side-door admission. Uh, so he bribed tested men- So pretty much all these students, when they were taking their SATs to get into college, this money would be bribed, or money would be paid to test administrators for people to cheat on their SAT. And have some. sometimes someone else might take a student's SAT for them so these kids could get into college. What? So, so like, apparently like 750 families, including like uh, Felicity Huffman, Lori Laughlin, they would pay this guy. To, Who are those people? I'm not familiar with those people. Lori Laughlin. She's from Full House. She's Jesse's what? Rebecca, I think her name was in Full oh, House. Oh, dude, no way. Yeah, so she was part of this. And oh, apparently, shiesty Rebecca. She paid 500000 to this William guy <sighs> to get her child into US, USC. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And apparently it went as far as th- through athletic door, too. So they would create fake athletic profiles for these these rich people's kids Um and they would bribe college coaches to treat them as athletes to slot them into admission spots that would have been for actual athletes. Wait, so would they be on the team? Quote, unquote, yes, they would be on the team. <laughs> so so would no, they, just, they wouldn't be. So <laughs> they, they are. They weren't actually, they, under, they wouldn't play, they didn't practice, no. they weren't on the team. They weren't doing, they, they were they just were like their shit. name was on the roster or what? Yeah, as a, as a registered student of the university, they would be an athlete. Whoa. Through the admission process, yeah. So then those coaches were—I don't know—you, I don't know if it showed this or detailed this, but were the coaches bribed or yes. were okay? So they didn't even care if they had mm-hmm. another athlete that could help them get a yeah. championship. They're being paid. They off. rather mm-hmm. get that than have the athlete. Wow. Yeah, tet, tet, like SAT test administrators were bribed and paid be like, hey, let this person take this SAT for him. These, I, I'm assuming these people that were good Jeez. at the SAT, they would probably be paid a couple thousand to just take this test, oh my gosh, get a good score dude. for them. 
and the test administrators would be bribed. So, like, it would go, well, like, the test administrator at the high schools where they take these tests, they probably paid them to, like, let them maybe take it in a different room or, like, quote-unquote, give them the right conditions to take the test, and that's what allowed them to, like, cheat. There's probably a different lot of ways Whoa. that they cheated, but yeah. I just think this is crazy, man. This speaks to such a higher issue about, like, just education and, like, the right people getting into where. It just shows that, like, the people who are actually true independent free thinkers who are going to change the world someday aren't really getting fair equal treatment that someone else who had a rich family who has a dumb shit kid who doesn't deserve to be in the school. Yeah. They get another way in because there's been racket like this guy's leading this huge college ring. It's a it's a he's facing up to 65 million years in prison or and 65 million. 65 years in prison for doing this. Good. For leading this. Good. And and the thing that like people don't realize or think about is how many other kids who were deserving were denied that spot. Yeah. Like they're who will maybe, maybe they could have gotten a, a scholarship and now maybe they can't afford school mm-hmm. or they get like an education that might not have been as good for whatever their field they wanted to be in. Maybe. Right. What? Uh, so I'm curious, what do you think is going to happen to the education system as a whole because of this? Or what is going to be the new perception of people, do you think? More oversight. I think they're going to need to really take a look at the testing pro. Like, you look at the two ways this happened. It was through the standardized testing process to get into college, mm-hmm. and it was through the athletic door. So I think, you obviously, something slipped under the rug when people were monitoring this. But, I mean, how do you prevent people from getting paid off? Like, I mean, that's the question you got to ask. Like, they're infiltrating these people. Um, they got to have more oversight and, like, checks on making sure that avenues like that aren't possible for people to, to do it. But I guess people are getting creative. Do you have any I feel idea? like this goes on a lot more and people aren't getting caught for it. Do you have any idea or an idea what you think they could do? Because that, that's a big process now. You have admissions all the way to before they even get to college when they're taking their tests. It's tough, man, because we live in a sinful world where people where people are motivated by money. Um, so I think, unfortunately, that's what it's going to come down to is in the wrong way. Yeah. So how can we like people? Are, obviously, you can see here like people like college coaches, people who are supposed to be leaders in the education system, who we place our trust in, are bribed off by money. So I guess find the better people to run it. I guess I don't know. Do you think this will hurt college admissions as a whole, like the perce- nationwide? No, I, I don't think, like, to that scale, no. The perception of it, yeah. Like, this is definitely a stain on the education system, and I feel like people will look at standardized testing, like PSAT and SAT, with a more uh, condescending, not condescending, but, like, worse eye than what they have now because of st- stuff like this that happens. So, and just the admit, I don't think people will trust the process as much, the admission yeah. process, because... Well, how could you? <clears throat> Because if you're applying to a college and you're a kid right now, you're 17, 18, like, I mean, am I the best person who's applying for this? Like, am, even though I am the best person applying for this college, am I going to get it? Like, am, like, what's the criteria? Like, yeah. You lose all trust, I guess. And I mean, then it's, it's like crazy, if, man. Then it's like if you're denied, now it's like, <clears throat> was some motherfucker paid off or what, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I didn't get in. I'm a good student. Someone get bribed here too, you know. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see it, how I don't know how 
I don't know who would speak on this to try to still drive faith in education, but like you said, people will lose faith in mm-hmm. the system. And like in the grand scheme of things, 750 families is a lot for one guy, but in the grand scheme, like I don't know if it ended up being 750 kids. Right. But like in the total, that's not like a that's not very a ton. small. But not like, a ton. That just shows like if this guy's getting caught, he's not the only like he's definitely not the only one doing it. So I like that's a, that's the biggest lesson I take from it. Is like, the idea this, came from somewhere. This yeah, this goes on, and I think it's just it's something to look out for. And but you know, have seven hundred fifty families in this city, seven hundred fifty families in another yeah. city, five hundred and one, eight hundred and another. Like you're right. If if there's there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. So it could be a big number. We don't know. Yeah. Wild uh, to think about. Yeah, that was mine. Here, here's the other thing, dude. Like, you're already about to shell out, you know, a quarter to half a million dollars in education. You're going to double that right off the bat? How about you just make sure your kid they know, studies? They, they know their kid's not smart enough to get into that school. That's why. Make a kid study, go in earlier, uh-huh. get learnt, work. It's called effort. I just feel bad for those kids, man. Have they have people doing the thinking for them? They, like, I don't know, man. And so the they don't know what it's like to work and earn something. Here's here's exactly, and I'm glad you went right there because here's the thing: all these people with all this money, they had to work hard at something. You know, some may inherit a family business, whatever, but they're still all they're all working hard to have this kind of money. And they're smart in some fashion uh, to to get to this point. And now all they're doing, and I'm not a parent, so apologize if I piss off someone here with kids, but they're robbing their kids of one, knowing the value of money, and two, knowing that you got to really work for it. Mm-hmm. And three, that life is not going to pay your way through itself. Yeah, like that will stop. Once you, like, your parent isn't going to pay off your boss at every job you go to, so you get a good salary for not doing much work. Mm-hmm. World doesn't work that way. Yeah. Now, maybe they get, just via who they potentially know, get their son or daughter in a sweet role doing something, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they they don't know, like you said, to work hard and earn it. There's a reason why they say with with great power comes great responsibility. Like these these families, these parents with all this money, like you have the responsibility to teach your kid, like teach your kid the proper way to get that. But I mean, that's it's good to give aid to your kids, but at some point you gotta realize where to draw the line. Like let them think for themselves, let them think in a unique way and have their unique path of how they get their money. And you gotta like, learn this to, you gotta let them sink sometimes. Yeah. So. God, that Crazy, got, man. That got my spidey senses tingling. This like, there's very few like stories that like frustrate me or anger me because I hate the news. I think it's a lot of most of it's negative. But like when I see something like this with like the education system, and it just grinds my gears the wrong way. But yeah, I'm glad glad we were able to air it out today. So yeah, I'm glad you feel better, Tim. <laughs> I'm glad that you are now relieved. You yeah. got that off your chest a little bit, and. Uh, how long do you think this is gonna be be a hot topic for? Because I, I think this is gonna be this is pretty big. As long as this guy, I mean, for however long this guy's in trial for going through, 
whatever. Uh, William William Rick Singer. Rick. I I think I mentioned it before, but facing up to sixty five years. That's a long time. Guilty, and he's pretty much come out. And, I mean, he's said he's come out and said himself. So. Yeah, that's a that's a long time. So, be interested to see what kind of deal he that they try to make, mm-hmm. or what in, other information he may know to swing a deal or something. If if that's even possible, I don't know. Yeah. But be interesting. But uh, dude, I'm really happy we got uh, dinner with Marquise mm-hmm. the other night at Condado's. Yeah, that was my second experience. Food wise, it was a better experience. Um, and, uh, so I enjoyed it, but there were a few things that happened that kind of, kind of just presented themselves. Mm-hmm. And I made note of it for next time that we were, we were talking and the power of asking. It's like the, the Duke UNC game was on that night and on the big screen that we were next to, it was like Chive TV. Now respect to the Chive, but really wanted to watch the game. And the TV that we could see with the game was all the way across the restaurant. And Tim was, he asked our waiter, he's like, any way we could get the Duke-North Carolina game on this TV? And this guy's like, do you happen to know what channel? And Tim's like, yeah, it's blah, blah, blah. And two minutes later, it's on the game. Exactly what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know if they had... Free chips? This is very small. Like, hey, are there more chips? Like, he goes, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, as much as you guys want. And it's just, I was like, wow. The, just asking for even small things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what you can get. And we talk about reaching out to people, asking for help and guidance in a field where they see that person is successful, that they themselves would really like to uh, venture down and... I was just like, wow, just asking for things and seeing what you get. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, if you get a no, it's you're not that much worse off than where you were before. Mm-hmm. But you'd be surprised how much people are willing to help. Yeah. I think people are, a lot of times people, the reason why I bring this up is people are sometimes reluctant to ask because uh, it's out of their comfort zone. They think it might be awkward. Uh, they think it, it's out of their, their, their place to ask. But no. I mean, if you're doing it out of respect, respectfulness and you're doing it for the right reasons, um, and like I said, going back to the respect, be polite. Like, Right. How, how can someone get mad at you for asking someone something if you do it in a polite way? Exactly. An innocent way. So. And show that you respect their time and you know that they have things on their plate too. Yeah. Uh, my roommate, Patrick, if he listens to this, he'll remember this, but... Uh, Last week, better I'd, listen, Patrick. I'd spent about like a half an hour, forty-five minutes cleaning the kitchen, deep cleaning it. I cleaned like the the grill and shit, like Ooh. which never, which never happens. Like, did you, I, go, I, did you go pledge shipping and get a toothbrush out on them? Yeah, I went ham. <laughs> like, I don't. I normally never deep clean my kitchen, so I I clean what I got home from work around like three thirty-four. I spent about forty-five minutes, and I go up to my room. And, like, uh, him and his girlfriend come in and are making, like, a full-course meal in the kitchen, which I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Yeah. I love relationship bond. Right, right. And the first thing I thought to myself, I was like, oh, it's going to get dirty right away after I spent an hour cleaning. Um, and I feel bad. At, like, And I was like, oh, I feel bad about asking to clean up after themselves because I'm like, I'm not, their, I'm not their parent. Like, I'm, that's not my place. Right. But 
Isn't that like, funny though? I, you almost felt bad about asking I them did. No, that's to why clean I bring up it up. after that's, that's them. What, and I, no, and I, I don't like to tell people to do stuff because right. I mean, they do their share. So, but I, and I don't want to feel like I'm coming across like that. But oh, I no. went, I went down. I'm like, hey, I, I just, I just spent some time clean, deep cleaning the kitchen. I, I know you guys enjoy your meal, but whenever you guys are done, could you just leave it the way you found it? Yeah. And that was oh, honestly that's a good way to yeah, put it. Yeah. So, and they were just leave it the way you like, found yeah. it. And I came back, and it was cleaner than what I had left it. So oh. the power of asking. Patrick See? Burns Patrick Burns are the best roommate ever. Don't ever forget that. You and Scoob. So. Apparently he's really really good at cleaning. Yeah. So good for, yeah. Power of asking. You wanna come over, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> power of asking. Step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. If you really want something, be polite about it and ask with politeness. And you have good delivery. Yeah, delivery. We've we've harped on that is the way you say things, how you're saying them and coming across. Like it was it was good delivery. Mm-hmm. You didn't say, Hey, Better clean up, clean up after yourselves. Yeah. You didn't do it like that. Yeah. It was, hey, I, I spent some time doing this. You know, just leave it the way you found it. Yep. No biggie. For sure. Good tone. Good, just good delivery there, Tim. Mm-hmm. That was the key. good for you, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a really clean kitchen. I'm all about the kitchen space. That's right. All about it. I know you are. Love it. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Can't wait till I have my own. Is it bad that I like customize my own kitchen sometimes? Oh yeah, we've talked about it on here. Yeah, we've we've you've given. Well, the I'm full, just I'm cooking. I'm cooking, then I'm like, ah, this would be sweet here. Mm-hmm. One day. One day. We'll One get day. There. Gonna have an island for sure, though. Good. One hundred percent island action. But uh, I was doing some some reading. I'm gonna take us into a little bit of book talk. Oh yeah, baby. So uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Still as fiery as always. Ha-cha! And. This one, repeat to yourself, life isn't an emergency. So I know we've talked about us creating little dramas in in our lives and everything is this big to do. And so this chapter was talking about literally not everything is an emergency. You're not going to get it all done. And it referred back to a prior chapter talking about your, quote, in basket. Your in-basket will never be empty. You're always going to have something to do. Something is always going to keep coming in. This is coming in. This is coming in. This is coming in. And you're always going to have outgoing. But there's never going to be an end to that. Your basket will not be empty. So make sure that you focus on what really needs to focus. And the rest, they're not big dramas or big emergencies. And we put all this pressure on ourselves to get everything done. And I'm very guilty of this too. I'm good at taking on too much, trying to do too much, and then denying that I'm doing too much. Mm-hmm. And But it just goes back to cut yourself some slack. Not everything is a, a red light emergency. You're not going to die. You're fine. Just understand that it's always going to be there. Just kind of prioritize and give yourself a little break. And it, it kind of hit uh, a good chord in saying like the first step in becoming a more peaceful person is having the humility to admit that in most cases, <laughs> you're creating your own emergencies. That's a good way of putting it. So for some, that might be a tough pill to swallow, but it, I like how it gives it straight that a lot of the time we're creating these emergencies, these dramas, these these big deals out of nothings. 
And so I love when the book does that. And that's half the reason why I love that book is because it's so straight up and it'll smack you in the face with the truth and, and what's really going on and how much is actually on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some, like, but what if someone's like, oh my gosh, I got to get all these things done today. Like, how do you, how do you prioritize what's important? Like, what are, what are some ways I guess you can stay organized in terms of assigning a task to, Hey, do I need to get this done today? Or can I leave it till tomorrow? Like, how do you decide how urgent something actually is? I'd say, see how it's going to affect things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how, how is this going to affect me or the person this is for t- tomorrow? Does this person need this thing today or tomorrow the deadline or is this absolutely non-negotiable this has to be done tomorrow or today whatever it may be or it's like what's going to happen if this isn't done today is it really a big deal or is it my own deadline is it my self deadline that is the big deal look i'm all about having deadlines but don't kill yourself over it so i think look at your tasks and prioritize first by what you think are the most important. And then you can say, okay, what will happen if this isn't done? What's going to happen if this isn't done? Most of the time you might find like, I can really do this tomorrow. I'm going to get some sleep today. Yeah. Or some things you do have to get done that day. Some things have to get done that day. But I also think you need to realize what future scenario are you already putting on things that hasn't even happened yet that is driving you into that concerned state of mind. Mm. If I don't get this done, if this isn't done tomorrow, you know, then this could happen. It could happen. Anything could happen. So are you doing that to yourself too? Because that's easy to do and get lost in that. Like, oh, this won't happen if I don't finish this today. Says who? Mm-hmm. So make yeah, sure you don't get you. Ca- caught in those traps of is it really that detrimental or are you making it out to be because of some potential future event that might not even happen? So I think taking a step back and kind of swallowing that pill and being like, all right. What's going to happen if this isn't done today? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be fine? Okay, I can move on to something else that is more important today and not stress about that. Let's do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Done. It's already for tomorrow. Done. Forget about it. Move to the next thing. So, and it's you know hard to do. That's a hard mindset shift. It really is. Because when you're used to go, 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 burning the candle at both ends all the time, you get accustomed to that. So uh, I think that'd be a good starting point to kind of prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. How, how do you prioritize things that are the most important for you in a day? Kind of the same way. I, I look at, I mean, when does this thing actually need to be done? And then work backwards. Like I have all the due dates. I mean, I tell someone I'm going to get them to it at a certain time. Okay. And I make sure I get it to it by that time. But so think, when you actually think, give someone else a deadline, you make sure that you follow through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that. Think, and part of it's on myself to realize, hey, don't like overcommit to too many people to getting stuff done for them. Because I think 
this goes back to the question. I mean, sometimes you have to say, you have to push back on something and say no in the present moment. Like, hey, like, you're request- saying, like, if someone asks you to do something and you really want to do it, I think a lot of people are fixed on, like, overpromising and just saying yes to everybody. Like, oh, yeah, I can get that done for you. I think that's kind of where this problem that you're talking about even arises from. Um, so I think, but to stay organized, I make sure to, to budget out the way. And this reminds me of uh, Stephen Covey's from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, his quadrant, where he assigns things as either important, urgent, or both. So the thing, like the quadrant one, top left, is the activities that are both urgent and important. Those are the things you need to tackle first. Those are things you need to get done. Like, make sure you get them done in an effective manner. Make sure you don't overcommit to people. Like, if someone asks you to do something that you can't do right away, be like, recognize that the request is important to you. Be like, hey, thank you for coming to me about this. I think this is really important for me to do for you. But I have other things that I have promised to commit to other people and things I need to get done today. Can I can I get this to you then? And then propose a date to them. So you give a realistic date. Mm-hmm. So you don't jam yourself up and get yourself in this kind of bind. Under promise, over deliver. Yep. I think that I think that's big where you you destroy the opportunity of that happening mm-hmm. by making sure you set realistic deadlines and goals. Yeah, nip it in the butt. But sometimes you'll find you'll find things start like you can't always prevent sure. that. Sure. Um and I just think it's important of really being realistic with yourself at that point in the short term and be like Go through all the things you have to do, list them in, in, in terms of urgency and importance based on what you committed to, assign how much you think each is going to take, and then under budget for what you're going to do that day. Okay. Uh, I think that's big. my biggest problem is I always fill out my to-do list with, oh my gosh, I want to get all these things done today. Um, and I find myself only accomplishing half the list. That tells me, hey, learn from your mistakes. Learn from your scheduling. Be like, hey, I, the past couple of weeks I've only been crossing out 50% of my to-do list. I need to make smart to-do lists. Right. Yeah. So, Are you trying to do too much? Yeah. So how how did you start to say no? Just like I said. Because like saying, said, saying no is hard for people too. Right. I don't say – you say no in a friendly way. Like, yeah. like I said, like your request is important to me. Unfortunately, I can't get this to you in the time frame you asked me to. Yeah. Do you ever but, get any pushback from that? Um, sometimes, but – if, if they perceive that you're – if you want to solve – like people just want their problems to be solved. Uh, but I think people are understanding in the end if you have other things going on. Like a, a, a rational, sane human being will understand that everyone has things to do. Those are hard um, to come by. Yeah. But if you <laughs> if you propose it in a way, be like, hey, like I can do this for you. Yeah. I can solve it for you. I look forward to solving this for you. Here's how I will plan on solving it for you. But in terms of timing – is it okay if I get to yeah. this day? Ask yeah. for their opinion on the date. I didn't know if you had like a, like a transition period of where you used to take everything on and then I was like, I need to... Yeah. Oh, I've been through many moments in my life like that. Yeah. Um, Do you have one that was like the most glaring? Like, okay, I need to change this up. In terms of Like where you just what? always had too much on your plate where you had to like, I need to start saying no in this type yeah, of manner. Yeah, no, I, f- I feel like I, f- I feel that all the time at some like not yeah. all the time but like that doesn't go away like that yeah. problem doesn't just disappear forever like that comes out throughout life like if you're not doing life right if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have a lot of responsibility to the point where that creeps up but it's i've been all, catching up on the same thing the last three days <laughs> yeah it's all about managing though like yeah it's not a bad thing but and 
it's good to have that mentality because Gary Vee said micro, micro speed, move 100 miles per hour in the, in the present, but be really patient about your long-term goals. Yeah. And I think you don't want to run, you want to work hard, but you don't want to run yourself in the ground where the quality of work you're putting out is compromised because of how fast you're going through things. Yeah. Um, he's such so, a genius. He is. I love listening to him. Yeah. I bet he's happy. I don't know. Maybe he is happy. Le'Veon Bell signed with the Jets last night. Or this would have been mm. last Wednesday, and Gary Vee is going to own that team one day. So I, I, I kind of so, want to DM him and ask him what he thinks about that signing. Dude, I'm so behind on on Gary Vee. Just ever since we started doing all our thing, I consume so much less. Mm. I don't know if you've had that, but I notice like what I do now with my social media time is a lot of checking our stuff. Yeah, that's making good. sure that we're like I consume so much less, and I was on top of. You know, all the Pat McAfee stuff, all the Gary Vee stuff, mm-hmm. the ins and outs. And now I'm like, I am clueless. Yeah. But then I realize that's good. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't always be tapped into everything. I need to be tapped into certain things so I know what's going on in the world. And so we have relativity mm-hmm. and we know what, what's happening and what certain people are doing. Because we do watch those people too for educational reasons but sometimes you gotta think for yourself yeah and it's like okay i i like how they communicate or i like how they deliver i like their energy i like the way they speak on their show i like their their attitude whatever it is because we do uh follow people that we uh want to emulate like we we see how joe rogan interacts and and asks questions and but yeah at a certain point it's like I can only do so much consuming if I want to have this level of output. And so now it's like, all right, I'm on Instagram. Let's see what uh, I can do with Off the Dome mm-hmm. and and who we can deep dive and and find through all the channels and and who might be a good person mm-hmm. to reach out to for an interview or insight on how they did a business, something or another. Mm-hmm. Or just say, hey, I like what you're doing. Yeah. This is awesome. Even yeah. just that and leaving it. And uh, so. I'm glad you brought that up. Are, are you finished? Yeah, yeah. I am now. I think, I think Jeez. This, I think this brings up like a really, really important point because I think sometimes I fall victim to this. If you're listening, like with all the podcasts you listen to, like there are a lot of helpful podcasts out there, but you can't listen to them all. And you shouldn't listen to them all throughout your entire days. It needs to get to a point. If you're listening to Gary Vee, uh, if you're listening to Tim Ferriss, if you're listening to Mind Pump, any type of like helpful podcast, your mind is in the right place because you have the motivation to listen to those. But it gets to a point, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, where sometimes it's good to do some thinking for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't always just have like it's good to draw inspiration from people's ideas, but at some point you got to get to a point where you're listening to these because you want to make change within yourself. And you want to make change for other people. So take time out of your day to stop listening to the podcast for a second. Think freely within your own mind and ask yourself, how am I going to act upon this? And I, I think it's it's easy. I mean, I was at a point in my life where that's all I was doing was just listening to the podcast from the start of the day to the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And just digesting. Be like, oh, like I'm so amped up. But like it's got to get to a point where you got to take it and run with it. Yeah. You got to think for yourself. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you appreciating me. I appreciate you appreciating me, appreciating you. I just appreciate all your appreciation (laughs) for my appreciation. Hell yeah. That appreciates your appreciation. All right, now we're done. Um, You are in a couple books I know as well. Yeah. 
But uh, you said you were catching up on Outwitting the Devil. Bruh, this book. Oh my gosh. Bruh. I'm enjoy- I'm enjoy- Enlighten the bruh. I love, I love the format of this book. I love what it's trying to do. Uh, so Napoleon Hill, he, I'm in a couple chapters right now where he's literally in a question and answer interview with the devil. Like you're hearing the devil's words. The, the page is formatted. It has Q and then a paragraph for question, and that's Napoleon Hill asking the question. And then right under it in bold, it has A for the answer, a paragraph from the devil. That's literally how the chapter is. Um, the entire chapter. Cha- chapters, chapter four and five are like that. That's pretty cool. And I think the reason why Napoleon Hill is doing this, I don't know if he actually talked to the devil himself. He's claiming he did. So, But I think the point, what he wants the reader to That's get. That's interesting. He that wants, I did not know. Yeah, he wants the reader to get from this book is, based on what the devil is telling you in his answers, find out what he's telling you and do whatever you can in your life to prevent what he's telling you to do. Because like what he did, like what Napoleon, and the questions the plain he'll ask, he asks questions in a way that allows you to digest this book in a way um, that allows you to learn about how you can't succumb to the devil. And he, Napoleon, Hill, like the devil mentions how he's, he's in control of 98% of the people on earth in some way, in some sinful way. He talks about the different doors that he enters into people's minds. He talks about the different methods that he uses to control people, whether it's from a marriage standpoint, whether it's saving and investing standpoint. Whether it's when you go choose your job, which I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get into all that eventually. Not today. I could talk about this book for hours. I just want to give you, <laughs> I just want to give you a little glimpse of what I've, what I'm reading. Um, and the he's and Napoleon Hill asks like, Devil, how how do you how do you go about controlling people's minds? What does that look like? Um, and he talks about two principles, but the first one I just want to talk about today is he forces people through habit, bad habits, and he talks about a con a concept called drifting. Um, and how he helps people drift toward hell and drift through life in a way that's not meaningful. Um, and there's like nine different doors through which the devil enters your mind to drift. Fear, superstition, uh, laziness, greed, lust, revenge, ang- anger, vanity. Um, but he talks about five different methods, real life choices that we as people go through that he causes you to drift. And he talks about occupation choice. He talks about how he takes over a person's mind when they're choosing an occupation. And he says, people drift into the very first job they can find out of college. And he uses fear as a big reason of how he's able to control people, built on fear. We're always fear of failing. We're always fear of doing wrong. He loved, like the devil loves fear. That's when you're, the devil's in your mind is when you're fearing something. Bottom line is he says people go through the education system, go through college, and they drift into the first, very first job they can find. And then he has a grip on them, and he uses people's fear of poverty to keep them in that job for the rest of their life, even though they fucking hate it. Because people will go into a job, like, that's one of his fears. He's like, people will be like, oh, I got a job. But people are so afraid of being broke, of being in poverty that they fear leaving that job because it exposes them to the possibility of not finding another job and not finding something meaningful or starting their own business. People fear starting a business because they fear poverty. So I just thought that was interesting. How many uh, jobs did you interview for before you took? Well, actually, your internship kind of led into your... Dude, this book... I guess that was a little different, huh? This book spoke directly to me. The devil devil was in my head when I took the J&J job. (laughs) This was the very first job I took out of college, and I didn't like it. You also interned there, though. Yeah, I did. So it was a little different. Like, you 
Mm-hmm. You kind of you did good but, work. They saw that. No, but but when I was in my senior year of college, I had a job offer for me in August of my senior year, and I fear I I, I didn't know it was that and, soon. And, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm just kind of nervous about looking for jobs out of college. I don't. I feared the the possibility of me graduating in college without a job. I feared. I was like, oh, if I don't have a job, like, I'm not gonna have money. So I took the job right away in August because I wanted to make sure. I told myself, I told my friends, I said, hey, I just, I took the job because I, I just, I just want to save work for me throughout the year so I can just live out senior year. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> well, I, that, I, that's I, a... I, I, because the, the devil talks about like, I know I have someone when they don't think independently and freely for themselves. I should have thought more independently and freely about what I wanted to do after school. I just took the first job that was available right out of that internship. Yeah. And how did it work out for me? I hated it three months in, and I found a new job that caused me to actually go out and look for a meaningful job I wanted. That's what I was doing while I was at Johnson Johnson. I was trying to find something that was actually meaningful. I put independent thought into it, and I found a job, a sales job that allows me to meet unique people every day, help them save money on their programs, help them build their business in a better way. And that's what's meaningful to me. That's when I knew I'd pushed the devil out of my mind from an occupation standpoint. Interesting how the devil got you there, but the devil got you to a place that also showed you the true light. Yeah. Yeah, it ended up being a blessing. And and that's, you know, with your senior year, that's a double-edged story because it's like you didn't have that stressor your entire senior year, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. Shit, I didn't have, we graduated in May. I started my first job. Uh, like, middle of july and i'd been looking since like march maybe Mm. april now i could have started a little earlier sure but no i just i i think that's i really think that book is wild from what you've said so i really need to get into it because that that's pretty incredible i didn't know he uh claims he spoke to the devil that's super intriguing to me yeah but yeah it's it's funny that we get in those situations and very few are able to see that other light there that -hmm. you saw. And because you and I both saw it with our prior jobs of people in a comfortable spot for life. Even Mm -hmm. like I would talk to people that, oh yeah, I really like painting and drawing and all this. It's like, you don't want to do more of that. Mm Mm-hmm. You'd rather do this, mm-hmm. but not everyone sees it that way. Right. But they, they, they fear the, the idea of foregoing money in a stable job to go risk something that it can, has a greater exposure to making less money. I love that outlook. Yeah, because g- good for the people that are in a stable job that they enjoy, oh, yeah. that they're not complaining about. But if you find yourself like not being happy and complaining about your job, but still going to job, you you are not thinking for yourself. You're not thinking independently. The devil is thinking for you, and that's why you're depressed. So, I love that lot. It's crazy, man. That's that's. You only really stuff. need to read chapters four and five because <laughs> that's pretty much that's. I mean, it talks about all the extra stuff, but like if you're really trying to figure out how the devil gets you and how the devil gets into your everyday thinking. Then you need chapter to four chapters. and five yeah and uh, on other episodes i'm going to talk about how he does that with marriage 
when you're choosing a life partner. I'm gonna talk about how he does that with like sit like when you're saving money, saving and spending money, like your your financial habits, mm. uh, your environment that you surround yourself in, as well as just your daily thoughts. So, just a little teaser there. I'll talk about that more about that later. I bet that daily thoughts is gonna get interesting. Oh yeah, it's gonna get really interesting. Teaser. <laughs> Dropped it. Man, you gotta do a mean tease like that to the good people <sighs> that listen to our our show here. Is there anything else we want to end on, dude? I uh, send people off with. I think I think I'm I'm all set here. I uh, I really appreciate everyone listening. I really had fun with this episode. I mean, when do I, when don't I have fun? Let's get real. I had a lot of fun with this one actually. I had maybe a little bit. More I mean, I, I I always have a really good time, but I did like I did like what we got into today, mm-hmm. and um, thought we had some good stuff. Book talk kind of lit lit my fire a little bit. Got a little excited from that tease. You know what I mean? Uh, and anyway, uh, I uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to do what what we love doing and trying to give value back, and uh, in your fundamental areas of your everyday life. Who we got w- Thursday? Thursday, ooh, Doctor Bob. Ooh, Thursday we have the one and only. He's a legend, Doctor Bob Newhaven, chiropractor from Northwest Indiana. And if you're up in that area, the region, shout out to my region folk. Um, You don't need to go see anyone else. He is the man. He's got you covered from chiropractic. They do some wild things with um, nutrition and and things of that sort. So they they got it all happening there. Uh, Dr. Bob Newhaven. So that's going to come out on Thursday. Thank you for that, Tim. And I will say that life and beer are similar. For best results, needs to chill. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Tim, anything else? No, I'm good. I, I hope you got a lot from this episode. We talked about some current events uh, with some, some legislation, the college, ke- the college cheating scheme, power of asking, uh, and then outwitting the devil. So, and don't sweat in the small stuff not everything is an emergency so true that hey if you guys like the show go over to itunes give us a five-star review and rating we'll send you a free lap stop ticker shipping on us what what we're also on spotify and soundcloud go check us out remember chill for best results <laughs>